Full count now. Runners take off. Grandall. the second and gets away and now Yelich on his way to third base two runs are in the Brewers have a lead Yasmani Grandal delivers in the fifth way back get up get out of here go rainbows high and deep touchdown Wisconsin and this game is underway with a bang this is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. The Brewers needed that one in the absolute worst way. They are 5-4 to four winners today. That game wrapping up uh, 20 minutes ago right here on WKTY. I'm sure you heard the post game, heard the end of that one. 5-4, the final. The Brewers salvage. This, uh, this series with the Reds before they go into an off day and then a weekend series with the Cubs. Matt Albers gets the win. No no, Yolisha Seen, no no Josh Hader, but Matt Albers, who I believe threw a pitch, a pitcher two, faced one batter. Win doesn't always mean anything. The, the cool part that stuck out about today's win was Freddie Peralta getting the save in the ninth which you heard Craig Council talk about on the post-game show if you were listening uh, just about 10 minutes ago. Brewers needed this one badly. This weekend series took it out of me. It was it was a tough a tough week so far to watch Brewers baseball, that's for sure. This win felt good. This is not a Brewers post-game show. No, this is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKT1. We have a ton of stuff to talk about today. Probably should be starting the show with uh, with discussion about Mike Daniels, the Packers cutting uh, the former Pro Bowler, a, a guy who's been an All-Pro, uh, a, a player who's consistently been named one of the top 100 players by the coaches and by, and by his peers in the NFL, is a really good player. They let go this morning. You don't see things like that happen very often, players of that level being released. We'll talk about that coming up in about 10 minutes. I wanted to start with the Brewers because we just wrapped up the Brewer game here on WKT. I'm, I'm about flow. Right, I'm about keeping a keeping a smooth sailing ship here on the Wisco Sports Show. Like I said, this series beat me down. This series took it out of me, and I realized that today when I'm sitting at home this afternoon. I, I got back to my house at about two o'clock, and I sit down and I and I watched most of uh, the game. I missed the first couple of innings where Shasin struggled and then exited. I got back right after Shasin exited with uh, with an injury. Right, and. Innings into me watching this ball game, minutes of me watching the ball game. I had it on as background noise. I was working on my computer and I'm getting ready uh, for today's show. And, and I looked up probably a half hour, 45 minutes into watching this thing. And I'm like, hey, Brewers are only down by one. They could actually win this thing. I, I had completely zoned it out. I had said, man, another ugly start for the crew, an ugly, another ugly game. We're going to be talking about a really bad series against the Reds. And look, they still lost two of three. It's not like today made everything better, but they were able to come back and win, and that wasn't even something that was in my mind. Like, the fact that the Brewers could actually win today, didn't that thought didn't cross my mind until almost a half hour into watching this ball game, and the Brewers eventually jump ahead off of the bat of Yasmani Grandal. They put up three runs in the fifth inning. One run, the first run, was a Keston here, a two, uh, one-run home run, and then Grandal bringing in uh, two, two runs on a two-out RBI ground ball that just snuck past. Uh, the extended glove of the red shortstop, and that's how the score settled. Freddie Peralta closing his first uh, Major League Baseball game, recording his first save is a pretty cool story, and and 
You heard Craig Council talk about it. I'll I'll say again, if you were listening to that Brewers postgame show, I believe it was Adam McAlvey who asked Craig Council, so was it the plan all along to have Freddie Peralta close? Because I would imagine most Brewers fans like me, when Josh Hader came into the game in the seventh inning, you said, okay, you started doing the math. Is Josh Hader going to pitch three innings? Well, okay, well, if he's not going to pitch three innings, who's left? You're not going to pitch Jeremy Jeffress, one, because he's been pitching a ton and he hasn't been good. You use Claudio, you use Albers, you use Guerra. Who, who's left? Oh, 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 Freddie Peralta, okay. And, and Council saying in his postgame press conference that was the plan the whole time. Council alluding to the fact that he could have brought in Peralta in the seventh, had Freddie go one inning and then close the next two innings with Josh Hader. It just worked out with the lineup, right? A lot of lefties were up in the seventh inning, so they started with Hader. And then in the ninth inning, uh, outside of, of course, Joey Votto, Freddie Peralta, Uh, working through a couple of right-handed hitters and looked really, really, really good. I don't know what's changed with Freddie Peralta since his struggles in early the season as a starter. I will say, as somebody who's never played baseball, I've got to think that you get a boost of confidence. Like when your manager throws you out there as a a closer in a save situation, a one-run ball game, you got a little... You got a little swag in your step, right? You're walking out there. Maybe you're rearing back a little harder. You're like, man, I'm a, I'm a closer. I need to be intense. I need to grid down. I need to throw even harder. I need to be even more intimidating. And maybe, just maybe, Freddie Peralta adopted the mindset and the approach of a closer just a little bit. Like I said, I've never played baseball, so I don't know how the approach of pitchers changes based on the setting and the time and the score and, and the inning in which they enter the game. But I guess it's like anything else in life, right? Like, when I fill in on the morning show with with Dave and Scrady, I, I got to act confident. Look, I'm filling in for Dave and Scrady. These guys are beloved. They've won awards. I got to step my game up. I got to embrace that role. And I would imagine that Freddie Peralta probably did the same thing today. Well, I'm a closer. I'm supposed to throw hard. I'm supposed to be intense. Did you watch Jeremy Jeffers last year? The man would... My roommates couldn't stand it. They're really not diehard Brewers fans. And anytime Jeremy Jeffers would come on, they're like, this dude needs to calm down. What is what is his deal? Well, he's a closer. Closers are normally pretty intense in their own way, whether that means huffing and puffing or staring down batters or keeping an emotionless face. They all do it a little differently, but they're all pretty intense. They're all really locked in because they know they only got to get those three batters out. And I think Freddie Peralta probably adopted a bit of that mentality today. Maybe that helped him uh, improve himself as a pitcher even more as, as he started to excel in the bullpen. It'd be pretty crazy if we could go back to March and, and I could tell you that of the three young Brewers pitchers, Brandon Woodruff was going to be the best starter. Freddie Peralta was going to end up pitching pretty well in the pen and Corbin Burns was going to flunk out. What? You kidding me? Nobody saw it going this way. So I, I thought today it was a cool story and, and a little bit of a morale boost at the end of a really tough series. Uh, Yoli Shasin's going to go on the injured list as well, Craig Council said, which to me, what's what's the difference? He's been that poor. He's been that bad that I don't know if you could do any worse throwing out another pitcher in his place. The problem is the Brewers have already lost Brandon Woodruff. Uh, for a substantial amount of time to the injured list. And now with Shasin out, they're down to a three-man rotation. And as Craig Council said in his press conference today after the game, we're set for the Cubs series. We got Friday, Saturday, Sunday covered, and we got an off day to rest our bullpen. But after that, geez, who knows? Right? They got some They got some time. They got some figuring out to do. We'll see how they shuffle around the rotation or, or what they do. I think it now becomes even more imperative that if the Brewers want to contend, they need to get starting pitching help. The problem is... 
you're bringing in starting pitching help now at the trade deadline only to try to get back to the level you were at about a week and a half ago, which still wasn't that good, right? It's one thing if you're bringing in a stud starter and you can put him alongside Brandon Woodruff and you can put him in a rotation uh, where Yolisha Seen is pitching at at least a, a decent level like he was last year. But neither one of those things are true. Brandon Woodruff and Yolisha Seen are out. So even if you go trade for a starter... And even if he's great, you're basically back to where you were before. One good starter and a bunch of question marks. The trade deadline is is, is difficult. It's going to be difficult for the Brewers. Because if they want to contend, they're going to have to bring people in and then cross their fingers that in a couple of weeks, Shasin comes back strong and Brandon Woodruff comes back strong. And that's a really big leap of faith to ask of David Stearns when he's going to be forced to to give up really high-level prospects in a farm system that's already been picked through once or twice. They got some players, got some assets left, but it's not not the, but the farm system it was two years ago. And David Stearns is going to have to make a little bit of a leap of faith if he wants to part with some of those prospects to bring in starting pitching help, knowing that they're going to be without Woodruff, they're going to be without Shasin. Big series coming up this weekend with the Cubs. They, luckily, they had off day tomorrow. This is going to sound super pessimistic. This is going to sound negative. This is going to sound maybe even spiteful, okay? I just want to preface it. I don't mean it in that way. I'm just trying to say my thoughts, say my piece without beating around the bush. With Woodruff's injury and with Shasin's injury and with Corbin Burns not being able to do anything, and now Freddie Peralta, I think, has that role in the bullpen. I don't think they're bringing him back up to start. If the Brewers don't win at least two of three or sweep the Cubs this weekend, I'm... I might think about trading Grandal. I might think about trade Moustakis. And I know that's that's waving a white flag. I know that's not what fans want. I know that's not what the Brewers want to do. But I think it makes sense. You lose two or three to the Reds. If you can't come out and show fans, the manager, front office, and the players show themselves that they can hang with the best of the best in the National League, and that's what it's going to take this weekend at Miller Park to win two of three or sweep this series. I don't know what the point is in continuing to try to contend. You have two guys on one-year deals. You can chip off for a nice return, and you can come back and focus on next year. If the Brewers don't win two of three, I'm tempted to say if the Brewers don't sweep the Cubs and look really good doing it, Monday morning, I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling teams about Grandal, about Moustakis. Not because I want to, but that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Unfortunate reality for Packer fans, Mike Daniels is gone, and I, I hate it because he was my second favorite Packer behind Aaron Rodgers. I own a Mike Daniels jersey, for crying out loud. We've had a couple hours to take in the news, to think about it. We'll talk about that next, and honestly, I think like this I think this show, and I think our conversation yesterday, I think we were a little bit ahead of the curve. If you missed out on yesterday's show, I'll fill you in, tell you what you missed, and we can talk about the release of Mike Daniels and the start of training camp tomorrow. Packers talk on the way. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Check out my Twitter at KeystrokerGrant. You can follow all of us at WKTY. Ebo from the Joe and Ebo Show, The Zone, our sister station in Madison. One of my favorite guests is going to join us coming up in 10 minutes to talk, well, a little bit of everything. I'm sure we'll start with Mike Daniels, start with the Packers, but talk Brewers. Heck, who knows? It's always a fun conversation with Ebo. I can't wait. He'll join us on the Five Star Telecom talking text line coming up in 10 minutes. So the news broke this morning, and I was 
I was shocked um, when the news came down. I don't remember who first reported it, if it was Mike Garofalo or it was Adam Schefter. doesn't matter. Packers cutting Mike Daniels loose after weeks of attempting to trade him. Now, when I first saw that headline, I must have thought, so they couldn't trade him, so they had to cut him. Well, it sounds like from what Gutekunst has said and from what other uh, Packers front office members said because they spoke today uh, to the media at, at training camp, that wasn't really the case. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how the, the the order of events went down, but Mike Daniels being released nonetheless earlier today. Now, they are going to save just a little bit of money. He was due $10.7 million, and by cutting him, the Packers are going to save $8.3 million. They're going to save about $8.5 million. My only beef with that, I'm all about saving money. My only beef with that is, what are you going to do with that money? It would have been one thing to cut him earlier. Whether that's possible or not, I don't know. But if it was, it would be one thing to cut him earlier and use that money in free agency. I, now, part of me believes that it probably had something to do with the fact that the Packers needed Mike Daniels to take that physical, show that he was healthy before they could cut him. Otherwise, they probably owe him some sort of money, if not all of the money, right? You can't just cut an injured player just because you don't want to pay him because they're injured. That's not how it works. So Mike Daniels took his physical today or yesterday or whenever it was, and then the Packers went ahead uh, and pulled the trigger to cut him. Look, I, I don't know how that $8.3 million helps you. I mean, it's always nice to have $8 million, am I right? But I got to think maybe they're trying to work on a contract extension for certain other players. Kenny Clark uh, comes to mind, right? Obviously, you're paying Aaron Rodgers. You just took a uh, took kind of an L by, by releasing Mike McCarthy from his contract a year early. That's guaranteed. You got to continue to pay him. So the Packers, I mean, they have financial needs. It's not like $8 million can't be used. I don't know how they're going to use it to be better this year. And that, that's the ultimate question, right? When a, when a player gets released or when the Bucks, for example, traded away Malcolm Brogdon, essentially letting him walk in restricted free agency, the first question should always be, well, is the team better or worse? The, the Packers are not better, in my opinion, with Mike Daniels. Maybe you believe that that he was hampering the way that the defensive line played and he got in the way of what Petten wanted to do, maybe. I have a really hard time believing that you can cut a Pro Bowl caliber defensive lineman who's an established veteran in this league and get better. I don't know if that player exists. I don't know if you can cut... Maybe Carmelo Anthony in the NBA. That might be the only player, right? I do not think the Packers are better today. Now, maybe financially it makes sense, and in the long run it makes sense, uh, but in this small window that you have with Aaron Rodgers, I just think you need all the help you can get. And it's weird that this Mike Daniel news came this morning because we had a long conversation on yesterday's Wisco Sports Show. And if you haven't checked it out, you can. It's up at WKTYsports.com. Just click on the podcast tab. I'll try to fill you in the best I can. Kind of talked about how this Packers defense is at a crossroads, right? The old guard and the new guard, there's a sort of changing of the guard right now. And you look up and down top to bottom of this Packers defense. And I saw a tweet yesterday, our friend Andy Herman uh, from Cheesehead TV, who joined the show a couple of weeks ago, tweeted this out, and I, and I thought it did a really good job of, of illustrating this changing of the guard. The last regular season game that mattered for the Packers was the one in Chicago last year. And the defense was comprised of Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Clay Matthews, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Bashad Breeland, Tremont Williams, Josh Jones, and Eddie Pleasant. And as Andy Herman continues to point out, although any uh, smart Packer fan can realize, of those 11 players, probably three of them are going to be starters this year. 
Probably. Blake Martinez, Jair Alexander, and Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams, maybe, because they got a loaded group of young talent. Maybe Tremont Williams starts the year but doesn't finish it, but, but that's up in the air, right? Blake Martinez, Jair Alexander. That's it. Dean Lowry is re-signed, but he's not going to start. Tyler Lancaster is not going to start. Clay Matthews is gone. Bashad Breland is gone. Josh Jones might be gone. And Eddie Pleasant got cut. Or was that Jermaine Whitehead? I can't remember my, my below average safeties that the Packers have shuffled through. I can't keep them straight. Either way, even if Eddie Pleasant is around, he ain't going to start. So there is a changing of the guard. The Packers and Brian Gutekunst, this new regime, this new coaching regime as well. Mike Pettin, Matt LaFleur probably don't have the same loyalty to these previous players that Tom Capers might have or Mike McCarthy would have had. So there's a certain changing of the guard. And as we look at these new players that have been brought in, either through the draft or through free agency, or the Packers showing commitment to Dean Lowry, saying, I, I know you're from the past regime, but we we value you. We want to keep you around, right? I think you can notice some trends, right? You can notice some some connections between these players. For, exa- for example, if Brian Gutekunst is looking for players on his defensive front, outside linebackers, pass rushers, defensive linemen, I think he's got a checklist, and a lot of these players check the same boxes, right? Once again, look at those groups. Free agents that he brought in this year, Rashawn Gary, who he drafted, and Dean Lowry, who he extended yesterday. Even though Dean Lowry was drafted by it previously, he values him. He wants him moving forward. So from those free agents, both of the Smiths, Preston and Darius, and Rashawn Gary, who was drafted, and Dean Lowry, and Kenny Clark as well, because he's going to get extended... There's a lot of similarities, right? They all stay healthy. That was a big talking point with the Smiths. That was a big reason why Dean Lowry was re-signed. What does Mike Daniels not really do? Well, Mike Daniels has been hurt a lot the last two years, right? Both of the Smiths, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, very versatile, especially especially uh, Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. They can line up, put their hand in the dirt, as, as people like to say in a cliche way, right? They can be a, a down uh, defensive lineman. They can play three technique. They can stand up and rush on the edge. They can move them around and disguise things. Well, Mike Daniels doesn't really do that. He just kind of takes up space, eats up double teams, stuffs the run, and maybe creates opportunities for those around him. So if Mike Patton's looking to move guys around and create confusion, create havoc, confuse opposing quarterbacks, Mike Daniels doesn't really fit that because you know what he does. He does it really well. But he's a one-trick pony, and I say that to be complimentary because he's very good at what he does. He just only does one thing. Oh, yeah, and by the way, most of these guys, or young, are coming into their prime and are just signing uh, their second deal, right? Rashawn Gary's drafted. He's young. Dean Lowry just signed his second deal post his rookie contract, and both of the free agents they brought in are just entering their primes, right? Mike Daniels doesn't really fit in there. Daniels doesn't check those boxes, which is why yesterday when we had this exact same conversation, I I thought, well, they're certainly probably not going to extend him. Maybe they trade him. It never occurred to me that maybe they could cut him because you just don't cut good players. It's not something that happens. It takes forever to draft a guy like Mike Daniels, who I believe was a fourth-round pick, and bring him along and and sign him to a deal and, and get him to a point where he is a homegrown valuable Pro Bowl-level player. That takes a long time. A lot of investment goes into that, and you don't just cut that away into the wind, right? That's what the Packers did this morning. It felt very similar to me to when the Packers released Josh Sitton a couple years ago. You go, why? Why? He's a good player. You don't let good players walk out. 
You let undrafted guys walk out or projects that you took late in the draft or guys with with issues with the law or with substances. You don't let a guy like this walk. Mike Daniels has been nothing but a pro's pro. He's had some penalties, right? Some dumb penalties, but not to the level of some players, right? You just don't do that. I never expected it. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about how this defense is at a crossroads and how Mike Daniels doesn't fit the bill, doesn't check the boxes that both of the Smiths do, that Rashawn Gary does, and that Dean Lowry does. And those are all players that have either been brought in in free agency, selected by Gutekunst, drafted by Brian Gutekunst, or extended by Brian Gutekunst. Mike Daniels doesn't check any of those boxes. Now, I thought the Packers would just deal with it this year because he's a good player, still has some value, and you're trying to contend for a championship. But no, they said, no, thank you. We'd rather save our money. We'd rather go with guys that we trust to stay healthy. And we feel good about Tyler Lancaster. And heck, Montrevious Adams is there as well. And there has been a little bit of conversation about him having a pretty decent uh, start to this training camp schedule. People are excited about him. And I guess that's kind of how the Packers felt when they released Josh Sitton. They're saying, well, we really like Lane Taylor and, and we really like these guys we have coming up. That worked out pretty well for him. We'll see if if releasing Mike Daniels and, and, and betting on your younger talent and your free agents and your draft picks. We'll see if that works out. It'll be interesting to follow this year. We got to talk to Ebo about this. Ebo, uh, host of the Joe and Ebo show, I, or as I like to say, the Joe and Ebo experience, because it is an experience. They're on our sister station in Madison, The Zone. We'll talk to him coming up next on the five-star telecom talk and text line. It's been too long. We'll cover the Brewers. We'll cover the Packers, and we'll cover whatever else comes up. Ebo on the way next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM and 580 AM. Stream us on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com as well. I am your host, Graham Bills. Today has been fascinating. Freddie Peralta is closing games. Mike Daniels is being released. Things I never would have expected when I rolled out of bed this morning. Uh, Joining us now on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, one of my absolute favorite guests. Because no matter what's going on in the world, our conversations are always interesting. No matter if they're sports news, if if teams are playing well, I always have loving Ebo on. He's hosted the Joe and Ebo show on our sister station, The Zone, in Madison, Ebo joins us now on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Ebo, what's up, man? Well, that was a nice intro. I appreciate that, Grant. I love being on your show. So thanks for having me, brother. It's fun. I love when we when we get to relax a little bit and, and not talk so seriously. Ebo, like, I'm on this show by myself. So I can't really have witty banter. I really can't tell jokes because it's there's no one else here, right? It's just me and my audience, and I have to talk seriously about sports or else I'm going to sound insane. So it's nice to have a conversation. It's more of a morning show vibe. How is the, the show with uh, with Joe? How is it going in the mornings in Madison? Well, you said if you were, you know, people would think you were insane for talking to yourself. <laughs> I sometimes am insane by listening to my co-host and his stupid takes. But, no, it's, it's great in the morning, man. We were on, you know, 6 to 10 here in Madison. And, yeah, I got home from work a little bit ago, so I'm just sipping a little beer, you know, after work beer, playing a little video games and just digesting what happened today because we were on air and the Mike Daniel news that broke when our final hour of the show. And usually when the breaking news happens, it's like 10.05. It's like five minutes after we're done. So it's like, what the H? So it it broke during the show, and we were dumbfounded. I could not believe the Packers cut Mike Daniels. It was – we needed like 20 minutes just to – 
gather our thoughts, I guess. And you were surprised too as well, eh? Well, yeah, here's the thing. It, it, it was almost kind of odd because yesterday I actually talked about Mike Daniels because we've seen the articles and, and the rumors here and there about, well, maybe the Packers try to trade him. He's coming up on a contract year. He doesn't really fit. So yesterday I talked a lot about how Mike Daniels doesn't really fit the mold of the free agents and the draft picks. And yesterday they extend Dean Lowry. And then the morning after, they ended up cutting him. I never imagined they would have cut him. I thought maybe they'd explore a trade or just straight up let him walk. I, I can't believe you let a player like that just go. I, I totally agree. And I think that was the most surprising part to me was you couldn't find a, yeah. a, a trade for a pro bowler. That's the part that kind of bugged me the most. But, you know, maybe they're asking too high. And this just shows to me that they really believe in Dean Lowry, obviously, with the extension. And then Kenny Clark taking a step forward. You know, you got Rashawn Gary. I know they don't play the same position, kind of, but Rashawn Gary's going to play all over the field. But this shows they got a lot of faith in some of the younger guys and that Kiki Kinsley is everyone's ranting and raving about. So I know Daniels didn't fit, but this is a kind of a – I'm kind of a nerd, you know, at times. I like some video games. I, yep. don't, I don't want to speak for you, Grant, but maybe you're kind of a nerd. Oh, I love Mike video Daniels, games. Mike Daniels is a huge nerd. This is a blow for the nerds, believe it or not. He loved his Dragon Ball Z. He's yep. always doing Dragon Ball Z references and everything, and he was a wrestler from Iowa. Mike Daniels was an interesting character, and I'm kind of sad to see him go, to be honest with you. Well, Ebo, I, I'm a, Mike Daniels is my second favorite Packer. I own a Mike Daniels jersey, and it's not like a fake one that I ordered from China because I do that a lot. <laughs> like I invested $125 in a Mike Daniels jersey, which I will proudly wear going forward. Like I, that, That's Dude. not going to stop, but I love him. I, I'm going to miss him as well. I think he's awesome and entertaining. This is how cruel the world is. As soon as they said that he was cut from the Packers, I kid you not, I forget exactly where the shop was. I want to say it was Waukesha, maybe from the Twitter handle. Yep. But it was a pro shop with all you know, they selling autographs, merchandise. Seventy-five percent off everything, Mike Daniels. Literally five minutes after the word was that he was cut. The world <sighs> is vicious, my friend. That's cruel. That's cruel. Sports is the only place that that can happen. Luckily, if I get canned, nobody talks about it on, on radio shows. That's for sure. So the Packers, right, let's ask you about this defense. Uh, Ebo, I'm, I'm teetering on the fence of this take. I don't know if I want to double down and go for it or just kind of quietly mention it. I, I don't Do know it. if I want to double down. I think I'm going to. I think the Packers defense this year could be better than the Packers offense. Just, and you're not far off at all, man. Okay. I'm right there with you. I think uh, the Packers' defense right now is light years ahead of the offense. You know, we have our sports director. He's at practices. He's checking everything out. And all the words from everyone is that this defense is going to be a top 10 defense. That's Ooh. something I don't think I've uttered in a decade for the Green Bay Packers. Well, I, I think it's awesome. And one of our previous guests, Andy Herman at Cheesehead TV, who I've referenced material a lot from the last couple of days, so my listeners are probably getting tired of him, but – he, he I, In an interview I did with him, he, he talked about, Grant, why shouldn't this defense be top 10? Look at all the, the high-level draft picks, top to bottom, the high-priced free agents, top to bottom. The personnel is tremendous. It should come together. Like, it should be really, really good. Not just, like, top 15, give Aaron Rodgers a chance, what we said in the past. This is a defense that could be the best part of the team, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, and it was literally out with the old and with the new. Seven players from last year are now gone. Starters from the defense. You now have a lot of youth injected into there when it comes to linebackers, you know, the secondary, and now the, the meat up front. I'm very excited. I haven't said this probably since that Super Bowl run, well, 2010, 2011. Sure. So, nine, ten years ago almost about how excited I am for this defense. And I can't wait. And something I think they might do, because they got what? Mike Daniels was 8.1, a little over 8 million when it comes to the salary cap hit. Yep. 
They're probably going to extend Kenny Clark, I would assume, because I know they want to get that done. He's young. Kenny Clark is the real deal. He's exciting. And you might see an older vet, a savvy vet, come back in Mo Wilkerson. I, I Don't be surprised if Mo Wilkerson comes back on the veterans' minimum. We'll see what happens, though. I, I'm That's something that hadn't even crossed my mind. I, I guess I haven't been paying attention to which, like, veterans could be out there to come back on a minimum deal and, and try to play a small role. It's something that we'll have to, to watch moving yeah, that's forward. Just, that's just me guessing. Like, Mo Wilkerson, very familiar with Mike Patton. Yeah. He's on the Packers, obviously. He will get, like, a million dollars. That's pennies of the dollar, you know. So maybe maybe they get a savvy vet in there. Maybe not. We'll see. Ebo from uh, the Joe and Ebo show on our sister station in Madison, The Zone, joining us for a couple of minutes on the five-star telecom talk and text line. I actually started the show with Brewers today. I kind of buried the Mike Daniels lead, seeing the Brewers wrapped up at, I don't know, 445. Now, it was a feel-good <laughs> win today, and it was it was nice to see Freddie Peralta close a game. Like, that was entertaining. That was fun. But I just don't see a bright future the rest of the season for this Brewers team, especially with Shasin going to the IL. But, I mean... He's been so bad anyways. What difference is it going to make? What's your outlook on the Brewers right now, Ebo? Well, this morning I was we were venting, man. We were like, I was screaming into the mic. It was just how frustrated I was with the lack of arms. You know, David Stearns, he, he did a huge gamble with the starting pitching rotation. He went with the young guys. And with Brandon Woodruff going to the IL now for, what, six weeks? His gamble did not pay off. Yeah. But you see now Freddie Peralta, he was closing. He that was pitching 97, 98 miles per hour closing. You know, if you've got Josh Hader and Freddie Peralta can do something like that in the closer role, I know Jeremy Jefferson's a little gassed. I'm all for it. My vibe for the Brewers, though, was very not good this morning. <laughs> that they got the win. Dude, I was, like, gripping. It was so bad. Yeah. Um, but when they got the win today, I felt like, like elite, I felt better. I felt like the Brewers were buyers again. Like, oh, my God, could they be buyers? Uh, so the Brewers right now, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, one day I'm like happy, next day I'm depressed, next day I'm happy, I'm drinking a victory beer right now. I don't know, man. I just know they're two games out uh, from the Chicago Cubs, and they're in the mix for that world wild card right now. Last year in August, the Brewers rattled off an insane amount of wins, and I think I remember them saying they had a 5% chance of winning the division and making the playoffs. Well, they needed 163 games, and they beat those stinking Cubs. Because I can't stand the Cubs. It makes me sick just thinking about them. Got that series coming up. Dude, I hate the Cubs. I can rant. If you want to fill another half hour, Grant, I'll gladly rant about how much I hate the Cubs with you. <laughs> we could just rant. I don't do that. We could rant about the Cubs. That series is coming up this weekend. Ebo, <laughs> I, I feel like my listeners are sick of me because I, I, I it's not that I flip-flop on the Brewers, but I'm like you. A win is feels so good, and it's so fun to talk about, and it's so easy to rag on them when they lose. I feel like yeah. my mood and my takes on the Brewers just kind of ebb and flow, but we're getting to the point now, Ebo, where we're late in July. We're approaching August, and we're almost to the trade deadline, which now with the new system is the only way of improving your team. If they go into Chicago or Chicago comes to Miller Park this weekend and lose two or three of those games and really take a hit, I think it's not unrealistic to think that maybe the Brewers should should try to take some calls on Moustakis and Grandal. Is that, like, doomsday? Is that way too strong of a take? No. Uh, I mean, no, it's not. It's, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of realistic, right? Yeah. So I think, I think this next series against the Cubs is huge. Are you a buyer or are you a seller? Like, Moustak, there's so many crazy things when it comes to Brewers right now because I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. I don't, know if, I don't know what they are. I have no idea. Like, no either. one wants to win the NL Central. I'm so confused. I do know that Keston Hira is the truth. I love Keston Hira. Yep. And I'm a big Mike Moustakis fan, but if, if you're going to be a seller, then Mike Moustakis, he want, he's going to want to be get paid more because he's a really good third baseman. He's going to yeah. want more money. 
and I don't think the Brewers are going to do that. So we'll see what happens. But it's it's a crazy roller coaster ride. All I know is that I know nothing about the Brewers. I feel like if that makes any sense, <laughs> it, it, I'm on the same page. Uh, last thing I'll, I'll I'll ask is I think Mike Mustakas is a good trade candidate. I, I think the Brewers could potentially hold on to Grandal. Trade away Moustakis at the deadline. Bring back up Travis Shaw, who's been very, very good in the minor leagues, yep. and then just play it out and see. Now, if you can get a starting pitcher who's going to be around for a couple of years or get a reliever who's going to be a part of the team this year and maybe next, so you're not just getting rentals for this year, I, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. opposed to that either. But I, I think it w- would make more sense to sell off Moustakis than Grandal if you can only do one, seeing you have a little bit more middle infield depth. Because I want to give this Brewers cha- team a chance to get hot, but I also don't want to go all in knowing that it – more than, more likely yeah. than not, they're probably not going to go on a run. Well, I mean, the Moose, as much as I love Moustakis, I'm a huge Moose fan, he's not paid top 10 in his position. No. Like, he should be paid a top 10 in his position, and he's going to want more money. The thing is, the Brewers, you know, David Stearns made that gamble on those pitchers, like I said, and it didn't pan out. So if your window, which is now, like the next couple of years, you need starting pitching. Yeah. I know Woodruff going down hurts, but you need more than Woodruff. Shashin hasn't won a game since April 30th. That's insane, and now he's going to the IL again. So you and Zach Davies just got rough, dude. I stopped watching last night yeah, in the second tough. inning. It was the best decision I made that night. Stop <laughs> watching the second inning. My wife loved me for it. There's so many confusing things, you know, for the Brewers. All I know is that if they beat the Cubs, I'm going to be on cloud nine and be very happy, and then maybe. That'll be the injection, the upstart for the crew. Sure. Well, I tell you what, Ebo, we'll watch this Cubs series in a bubble. Hopefully just to enjoy them beating the Cubs. And whatever that means for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week before the trade deadline, we'll deal with that then. Let's just watch Brewers-Cubs and just be spiteful, hateful sports fans this weekend. I'm all in. And troll the Cubs as much as you can online. Yes, absolutely. Ebo, he's on our sister station in Madison. Thanks for joining me for a little bit, Ebo. And enjoy this Cubs series this weekend, man. Thanks, man. You as well. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I love talking to you, Ebo. That's Ebo. From the zone in Madison, co-host of the Joe and Ebo show. And look, maybe that's the right approach to take a bit. Let's not worry about what this weekend series means in the standings or what it means for the trade deadline, which is looming like a giant black thunderstorm cloud above our heads. Let's just tune everything else out. Let's just watch three games against the Cubs. Let's be spiteful. Let's be hateful. Let's get into this rivalry. Let's let's enjoy it like it's the last time we're ever going to be able to enjoy it. And then whatever comes on Monday, we'll worry about it then. I think that's a great strategy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all aboard for that. Matt Lafleur talked at uh, at uh, um, at training camp today in Green Bay. Spoke with reporters, and one question and one answer really jumped out to me. And it was obviously one thing that everybody was going to talk about. That's the audible. So let's hear from Coach Lafleur. I'll get my two cents on it as well. As training camp officially practices officially gets underway tomorrow. It's like Christmas Eve. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show. We'll wrap up here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I said we were done with Mike Daniels stuff. We're not. I, I lied. One more thing. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur in a second. One more thing. I, I was cruising Twitter over the commercial break, and, and this might be the best take I've seen all day regarding the Mike Daniels situation. And, and something we talked a little bit about yesterday, it's from Ryan Wood, uh, who writes for PackersNews.com, Green Bay Press-Gazette. He said, I get reasons why Packers cut Mike Daniels. One thing, though, they voluntarily forfeited depth at a position known for attrition, an area where they were depleted late last year. Even if Daniels isn't a pro bowler, he can still play. 
surprised they didn't have him play out his final year. That's what it comes back to for me is depth. Depth, depth, depth. Yeah, you can save $8.3 million and you can play with that this year if you want to bring back a, a, a low-priced veteran or you want to work on extending a player you currently have. Fine, that, that's that's great. I, I don't hate on that. But one thing I don't like is is saying, oh, look at all the players we have at this position. We're so deep. Oh, we're going to be so great. Hell, we can afford to get rid of one of them. Go ahead and cut them for nothing. Well, why? Why, why, why? On yesterday's show, I was talking, man, that defensive front is going to be loaded because you're deep, right? No one player is going to be asked to do too much. You have your two free agents that are going to be on the outside, the Smiths, right? On the inside, you got Kenny Clark, who I think is a, is a rising Star, if not a rising, really, really good player. You have Mike Daniels. He's got experience, he's got attitude, and he's great at stuffing the run, eating up double teams, which is going to free up those outside pass rushers that you pay top dollar for to get after the quarterback. Oh, yeah, and by the way, whatever Rashawn Gary gives you, great. Whatever Kyler Fackrell gives you, great. Nobody is going to be asked to put the unit on their back to rush the passer alone. Nobody's asked to do it by themselves. And when you start to get rid of some of the depth, okay, well, now Rashawn Gary coming along might be just a little bit more important. Now, the Smiths are going to absolutely have to play up to that contract. Now, Kenny Clark can't get hurt, and that's the most important thing. This is a position known for attrition. Guys get hurt on the defensive line. Bodies falling everywhere. Big, heavy offensive linemen falling everywhere. A position of attrition. I like how that's worded, and it also might make a pretty good band name, so I'm going to hold on to that one. Position of attrition. That's going in the back pocket. Matt LaFleur spoke with uh, with Packers Media today and, of course, uh, was asked about the whole Audible thing because it, it had been relatively quiet on the Packers front post-Ty Dunn in that Bleacher Report expose about everything going on in 1265 inside Lambeau Field from Mike McCarthy uh, to other office members to Aaron Rodgers to other players. It was just an expose, right? It was a huge deal. After that, we haven't really talked about a ton except for Mike Silver uh, for NFL Media writing that piece about how Aaron Rodgers might not be happy that he might be restricted a little bit at the line of scrimmage. Matt LaFleur might look to rein back Aaron Rodgers. How will that go? Well, it was a lot of speculation, a lot of conversation based on two tiny little quotes without a whole lot of context. So Matt LaFleur, obviously, and, and rightfully so by reporters, asked point blank today, were you surprised to see the headline regarding Aaron Rodgers maybe being upset and, and you maybe wanting to be a bit more controlling? Audibles, audibles this, audibles that. Were you surprised to hear that come out? You know what? Nothing really surprises me in, in that regards. You know, I think anytime, especially when there's there's not a lot there's not a lot of action going on, you know, somebody's gonna try to make a story out of something. But the one thing I'll say to that is with the quarterback position, you're talking about in my opinion, it's the toughest position in all of sports. And the last thing that we ever want to do is send a quarterback out there who's uncomfortable with what we're doing. And like I said, we're, we're making this the Packers offense. So, um, you know, it, it, it is a little bit of a work in progress as we, as we go through and try to find out what exactly our guys do well and, and make sure we showcase that. I think it's interesting to hear Matt LaFleur talk about Aaron Rodgers. And the quote that jumps out to me is, we don't want to send our quarterback out there uncomfortable, unhappy, not fully bought into what's going on. Because whether you want to blame Mike McCarthy, whether you want to blame Aaron Rodgers, whether you want to blame a stale offensive system or young, inexperienced wide receivers, it all comes back to last year, 2018. It all comes back to 
Aaron Rodgers not being content, not being comfortable, and not buying in 100% to what the Packers were doing on offense. Now, if you want to say Aaron Rodgers, you got to buy in. You shouldn't have a choice. Okay, that's your argument. If you want to blame Mike McCarthy for not providing a, a robust offensive playbook that Aaron Rodgers could buy into, okay, fine, that's your argument. But it all comes back to, no matter what side you're on or any combination of both, it just comes back to Aaron Rodgers wasn't bought in. Fair or not, right or not, that's what it came back to. And I think it's very wise of Matt LaFleur to realize that and say, well, even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't completely get the system yet, or even if he's not 100% happy with the amount of audibles that he's able to run or not, or who has full say in the offense, what it comes down to is, does Aaron Rodgers buy in? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to agree right away. He doesn't have to love it, doesn't have to wrap his arms around it. But if he's bought in and he believes in it and says, well, we can make this work. I just have to do this and this, and, and I'll get on the same page with this players, and, and and we can all wrap our arms around. There you go. If you just get him to buy in, because you don't want him to be uncomfortable, you don't want him to check out, you don't want him to, to disagree. It might take a little while for Aaron Rodgers to warm up to a new play caller, a new offensive system, but as long as he believes in it, as long as he's bought in, I think you're going to see a lot of the problems of 2018, 2019. I think you're going to see some of those problems go away. Because an Aaron Rodgers that's bought in is an Aaron Rodgers that's engaged, right? And Aaron Rodgers, hopefully, that doesn't throw balls at receivers' feet and hopefully doesn't pass up wide-open reads, right? That's the biggest indicator in all this, that Rodgers wasn't bought in. If Aaron Rodgers bought into the plays that Mike McCarthy was running, he would have thrown the ball to the wide receiver that was schemed open by Mike McCarthy. He didn't do that. And it became very clear that he wasn't bought in to the offense that both Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy were supposed to be working on together. I also like that Matt LaFleur said, we're going to make this the Packers offense. It's not my offense. I'm not a quarterback whisperer. I'm not an offensive guru or a mastermind or a genius. It, this is a, a product of our entire team, of our entire 53-man roster, the 11 starters on both sides, the scout team, right? the assistant coaches, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Kaiser. Everyone puts their fingerprints on this offense to make it the best that it can be, right? Because if you remember when Nathaniel Hackett was signed as offensive coordinator or hired and Matt LaFleur was brought in and all the discussion was, man, Nathaniel Hackett's the hoorah-rah guy, right? And, and, and LaFleur is very composed. He is not that way. And I said at the time, great, awesome. Because diversity of, of approaches, diversity of opinions, diversity of attitudes, that makes a stronger product, right? I believe at the time, this was around Thanksgiving, or, or, or shortly after. No, it wouldn't have been around Thanksgiving. But we were talking about Thanksgiving and said, hey, it's best when everyone brings a dish to the table because everybody cooks a little bit differently, right? Everybody uses different seasonings and spices. Maybe one dish was grilled, another one was baked. It's diverse. It's better for the whole meal. It's better for the Packers and this offense to be created, to be born from lots of different opinions and different points of view and different players. And, and I think, although this was just a press conference answer, I think Matt LaFleur gets that. I really do. And I can't wait for training camp to start tomorrow. Absolutely can't wait. We we can start talking Packers football again after a back and forth, up and down, buy or sell summer so far with the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about training camp, talk about the upcoming Cubs series. We'll cover it all. The Wisco Sports Show, same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.